Can you hear me okay? I think it's okay. Oh wait, I gotta send you this thing. I gotta send you the, the working document. It's been a minute since we've uh, recorded one of these. It's true. Well, I'm finding some good inspo here. It's ironic. Alex is working on inspo for an agency project, which is the topic of this building the brand. Damn, this image is dope. Where to start? So I guess the the primary discussion or the primary thing we're going to talk about is sort of the evolution of, I guess, in a way, how Make It Makes Money or not make money. And also sort of like the launch of Adam Studios. For some people that might not be familiar, we, as in you and I, do a thing called Adam Studios. Can you tell people what it is? The elevator pitch is that it's a multidisciplinary creative agency. But the layman's term of that is like, it's a vehicle with which like you or I do projects for brands, whether that's via our skill set or whether that's via our network or whether that's via our expertise and understanding of working in certain pockets of culture over the years. Yeah. It comprises essentially of like two people. It's like me and you. And this yeah. is something that I have been thinking about a lot, but also I enjoy the the analogy as just like the Hollywood approach. Not necessarily Hollywood in terms of glitz and glamour, but more so Hollywood in the sense that you might have a core team that brings in people as projects arise. Yeah. Right. And I think that's actually been very helpful because I don't want to say like I'm a prophet, but like, you know, when we first started in mid 2019, I was like, yo man, we should probably try to run this thing super lean because some shit is going to hit the fan in terms of like sort of a global recession. And obviously it, it arrived in a, in a form that no one could have predicted per se. Yeah. But you know, I think that it's, it's been helpful for us to run like this because it's just like our overhead so much lower. I, like not to get too meta about it, but I think it's like you and I both have been on the personal tip lately of educating ourselves on, um, you know, making more ethical decisions and like how we consume or how we shop or buy or eat and things like that. And I think that I, I compare when I learn a lot of this stuff personally, you know, whether I'm reading something, I'm often comparing it to like this idea of the agency and, and brands and working together. Like, a lot I think that a lot of the agencies are are they're they're almost just not really consuming properly, you know, and I think where we're at right now with the company is like with Adam is like almost produce only what you need and consume only what you need in the process yeah um and and I think it seems to make more sense like we're only you know we're less than a year in, but like we've been able to like be really proud of the work we're doing. And it's coming out at a higher caliber at a much lower budget to the brands because yeah. we're only we're we're investing dollar for dollar more into the right places yeah. versus it getting like skewed randomly into random things. You know, it's like when you like donate to a yeah. um a nonprofit and you a lot of people like don't want to donate to like really big organizations because they know a lot of that dollar those dollars just go into waste administrative yeah. jargon yeah. for a nonprofit versus going direct to like yeah. the children or whoever. By virtue of us running it so lean, that means we don't have an office like you and I are like work from home before work from home was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, like yeah, no overhead really. You know, I think that's like sort of the beauty of running digital companies now. It's like you can actually 
get quite a bit done without needing a ton of overhead. Yeah. Right. And I think to use that example, like if someone comes to us with, let's say like a $10,000 budget, right? Since it's only you and I that need to get paid at the end of the day, think of how much more money can go into the crew. They can get paid yeah. a certain type of way, right? Versus like, oh, if it's a $10,000 budget and you only have 15% of that or fi- or $1,500 to spend on production, then it changes too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a win-win for everybody because you're getting to pay people their market rate. You're compensated for your own time, meaning like you and I. And the brand, if you do your job properly, like the brand will be more happy because dollar for dollar, their budget is going to more creative output and actual deliverables versus, you know, who knows whatever creative director and associate creative director and intern and interns fees. Like a nice ass office. Yeah. Yeah. And like a crazy office and like whatever. If we were to kind of walk it back, what, like, I say 12, 18 months ago, two years ago, like, I think there was always part of making that was trying to figure out what sort of revenue streams existed. Among them was like agency. I think that's generally the easiest way for sort of creative companies to to make money is to like offer creative services, right? Yeah. I think one of the challenges we encountered was, hey, we're trying to run a creative agency content agency inside a publisher and i think that actually was something that was a little bit challenging because i think that from a positioning standpoint not that many people understood why you would go to like an up-and-coming or small publisher for creative services the original question i think for us that kept coming up was it was always difficult to like build media revenue purely like to build revenue as a small up-and-coming publisher that didn't have like the same um eyeballs eyeballs you know like the big boys to get like uh, big boys me to get media dollars basically and also so much of that was driven really just by media by like just serve this ad and get the impressions um if you remember when we first first started the idea was um kind of in line with don't run ads but sort of integrate uh brand content or like brand goals into the context of the editorial. Yeah. So I think in theory, that still is like valid, right? Like in in theory, it's still a goal that I think works sometimes. Yeah. But I think the difference is like, number one, media is in such a weird place in general. So no, nobody really knows exactly what to do with it, especially now with all like the virus stuff going on, it's gotten even more compounded. It's hard to do that when you have a small audience, you know? And so when we were starting, we couldn't, people saw sort of like the value of the the premise of it. But I think ultimately like they were subservient to like, well, they have a boss who has a boss who has a boss who has a boss to report to that ultimately at the end of the day, they need to spend this budget because they want to re-up their budgets next year. And they also just need to see like some actual like numbers on the board and yeah. results. We weren't really set up in a way to do that when it was just um, getting started yeah. for making. It, it was pretty tough because here we were running a publisher company, but our revenue wasn't really coming from media, as you mentioned, right? And yeah, the ultimate goal was, at the time anyway, was, was kind of to pivot into this creative agency offering. But that in itself was also like this convoluted product. Well, I don't even think, like, I think actually the, if you remember, we were just so, 
we were just basically opposed to working with brands period because i think we had a point of view on it at the time of like there wasn't much actual partnership going on with it it was kind of just like it was kind of just like signing your life away sort of to the brand and there wasn't really much what's the word there wasn't like a lot of like mutual benefit it felt like and also we just like kind of just wanted to do our own thing and we didn't really um want to entertain like potentially how it could work outside of the way we were thinking about it at that time you know but then i think what pushed us in that direction eventually was like we were doing stuff that was resonating with a lot of different people and a lot of people at the brand level on com, and we we did that for so long people would kind of hit us up periodically and be like oh, i like that story or i like how you interviewed that designer you know i'm a marketing person to this brand maybe we should talk and that would be cool to do something like that that i see you know for my brand or for my company and a lot of times like people have to see it before they believe it so yeah, to 100%. our benefit like just doing it on Macon and not really seeing much like fruits from the labor other than the pure fruit of like the content itself, getting our voice out there. We started to see the trickle down of like people saying, I like that. Oh, that's cool. That's interesting. But we didn't have a way to, we didn't have anywhere to put those conversations. Yeah. It seemed weird because here we were trying to market a product that in itself wasn't super well marketed being like, you know, the publication. Yeah. But then people recognizing, oh, I, I would like to capture some of that essence for my own brand or for my own campaign. It's really hard, I think, to like do the sales stuff. It doesn't matter how many times in the back of our head, I think we knew that it was something that... You mean like media sales? like Selling anything, I think, is like a different mindset. Basically trying to be like editor-in-chiefs and, you know, like uh, editorial production while simultaneously figuring out how to articulate it in a way that like brand person could understand and then also with little like audience like backing yeah for it you know to justify what these brand guys were used to seeing from like audience numbers and traffic numbers yeah and so that's ultimately where adam studios came in was it was like saying hey on one hand we're doing all this stuff that we just want to do on making and on the other hand we're kind of starting to get questions of like i like that i like what you're doing but what does that even mean? You know, if I see it and I like it and I work for a brand, how do I yeah. get a little bit of that? Before we, we kind of launched Adam, or I guess you were kind of working on Adam as your own sort of like layer, right? Yeah. So when people wanted to come to you and like, you know, they wanted some sort of work done, it was like a protect, not really a protective layer so much as like, it was a layer that was put in place so that, hey, I could, you know, work with someone else on this versus yeah, it yeah. needing to be you, the photographer going to shoot every single photo. Yeah, basically, like, originally, I had started Adam Studios as kind of this sort of just entity. I basically used to try to, like, legitimize the freelance photography jobs that I was doing at the time. And it was, in my head, it was just purely, like, photo-driven. So, brand A might hit up, you know, Alex Mayland as an individual and say, oh, I want these photos taken. I think I just wanted it to be a little bit more legitimate. And I didn't want it to just be like me invoicing them to like a bank account, essentially, you know, a lot of the leads were kind of coming through people knowing Alex as a photographer, but also in the context of knowing about Macon. So there was a, some element of like deeper involvement that I think they were open to. And so some of those earlier jobs, like we just never did it because it was literally like just me. So it was like, 
I'll show up with my camera and shoot. Basically, yeah. that, was, yeah. that was the extent of it. Yeah. And then the two sort of just like coalesced at some point because I think we were trying to find alternative business models for Macon. We're poor as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> and much. Then on the other side, I'm like, okay, well, this is kind of working as like the photo agency almost, but like there's other stuff that we have capabilities for. Why don't we just fuse this all? And I knew that if that was the case, like there were certain things that like I was good at and that I wanted to do. And then there were certain things that I was just not good at and that I didn't want to do. And then on top of that, two is better than one in terms of just like what you can accomplish. So then that's where you and I had the conversation (laughs) where we were like, Hey, why don't we just make this an agency branch that supports the publication? Yeah. I know that there was a conversation where like, well, you know, we could do this and we could be successful at it, but I don't think you, Eugene want to do it. And I had to think about that. Maybe there was part of me that was trying to really take Macon in its current iteration and just hammered into like a round hole with a square peg, right? Yeah. And then it came. I came to the realization like, well, you know what? I can continue this mindset and keep grinding it out or we could find a way to like change. And I think a lot of things also happened at the time. We were like, you know, we had to downsize with Macon and there were certain calm cutbacks, right? And it was to the point where, well... Maybe we just need to take things head on and realize what the situation was. And I was like, hey, you know what? Let's do it. And I, this is kind of the part that I tell a lot of people is that I think up until that point, right before shit kind of hit the fan, we had to do cutbacks and whatnot. I, I kind of felt as though the thing that I started with you, with Macon, we were most definitely sort of going off into different paths. You were focused on just doing Adam Studio stuff, but photography work, whatnot. I was like kind of doing Macon stuff in a certain capacity that I felt was where we wanted to go but it was still becoming increasingly distant and i think adam studios was like a very good reminder that i always wanted making to just be a thing that could last as long as possible not necessarily needs to be this by that period of time now that we work much closer on adam it also has made our work together on making a little bit closer yeah so i think that actually was the the validation and or like what i wanted out of it was like hey you know what i started this shit with a partner I realized that we weren't actually working that closely on it anymore. But now, like, actually, by virtue of things kind of going to the pits, like the pit stops, and then re-emerging, it actually was better. Yeah, there was definitely a period of time where, like, it was probably, like, a pretty extended period of time, actually, where I think you and I personally, like, we, we were so tightly knit the way we worked together in the early, early making days, literally sleeping on the same air mattress and, yeah. you know, traveling more than half the year together and then like i think there was a period of time where over the course of what it maybe a year more where it was just sort of like i think i was slowly looking for more things to engage me from a work standpoint like whether it was just utilizing my skills in different ways or whether it was just like having a different kind of like a fresh project or goal to work on and i yeah i think we were kind of like growing apart in a way during that period And then when we had that light bulb moment, you know, where it was like, oh, hey, what if Adam became something that we both worked on? Well, sorry, one of my first questions or concerns was like, do you even want to do it? And then your first question or concern back to that was like, I could do it, but what would I do? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I did did recall that. Yeah, it was like, I think neither of us wanted to hurt each other's feelings or something because I was like, I mean... I want to do this, but do you want to do it? And then you were like, well, I kind of want to do it, but do you want me to do it? 
No, I kind of, I do remember that because I felt like I would just be excess baggage. I'd be like, well, what am I going to do? I remember thinking pretty finite about it. Like, I remember thinking like, okay, it's going to be go take some photos or design this logo. And then in that like super small context, it didn't really, yeah, I was sort of like, yeah, I don't actually, I don't know what Eugene would do. (laughs) Not not because you can't do anything, but it's like, if that's the two things we're selling, like you wouldn't do those two things. But I think we didn't necessarily predict what happens when you just decide to move in a direction and just kind of put it out there in a way that people can understand and say like, okay, we're doing this small agency thing. This is what we're focused on. You know, slowly and slowly, people just start knocking on your door for more reasons than what you initially thought. And then what we found now, what is it like over almost a year? Yeah, not quite. But what what I think, I I told you this the other day, I'm like, man, given the current circumstances the world is enduring, like we're incredibly fortunate because I think maybe we have this other, how do you call it? This, we have this diversity to the skill sets that we bring. I think just not only you and I, but also, you know, for the most part, you're just not necessarily part of the production crew. Like you can actually strategize, you can produce. And I think that's the one thing that, if anyone out there is like kind of trying to think about starting their own agency, it's like, yeah, you can shoot photos, but at what point can you actually oversee the whole sort of creative supply chain? Yeah. Right. And I think that's the one thing that once we started getting more involved in that, you soon realize that, Oh, actually there is a role because the projects become more complex. They need more points of view. They need someone that has the ability to go in and structure creative thinking that can be acted upon and executed. To that, actually, to that point, and kind of like jumping on one of these other bullet points here, like about the naming. The name Adam is my younger brother's name. One thing that you always seem to gravitate towards, and then one thing that I also always gravitated towards in our work life was always like wanting to bring younger people who had, who were hungry to like learn or work or hustle along for the ride versus going for like the best of the best of established people already. And part of that probably just comes from like, we literally always worked in like broke startup environments for the most part. Yeah. Um, but also I think part of it is just like something like to our identity that we like working like that way. Like next generation type yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. So like in essence, that's where the idea for the name Adam comes from being named after my younger brother. And then also knowing that like, you know, one of our, our longest standing employees at Macon is Nate, your brother. Yeah. Um, I think we're always questioning like what's next, you know, whether it's like what's next for where we want to go, what's who who's the next generation. All those things are are constantly like in our in our mind and so that's where the name came from. But then you kind of see you sort of see how we're working now with Adam and how that's started to manifest itself like we're constantly working on projects that we really like try to get younger people involved with to like give them work that they might not otherwise be able to like have access to. Um, The whole reason we started the in-house artist management thing is to help these people that are in our community, like figure it out because a lot of times they were hitting us up on iMessage or WhatsApp or something anyways. Um, And it was like an easy way to just formalize it. into something. Yeah. And I, I look at it and I think that maybe earlier on, we were just sort of feeling our way through, like how do you properly sounds like, it's very much like a, a corporate term, but like how do you onboard new talent, right? And I think now that we've gotten to the point that we have projects of varying sizes that you can definitely find opportunities to work with people on smaller things where the risk is a lot lower. 
and hopefully if they are capable or you work well together you can soon bring them into bigger projects yeah and i think that's worked quite well for sure i mean what um where adam's at right now does it feel like what you thought it would be if you fast forward in around a year time or did i think you it actually really? far exceeded my expectations both from like the type of work we've been able to get the excitement around it being able to work work more closely with you again but also just i think there was a point you know early 2019 when i just felt like shit wasn't really working out for me personally you kind of weren't sure where your next paycheck was coming from where money was coming in and then suddenly now it's like oh you know what there's some sort of stability financial stability yeah and on top of that like that's one thing right the second part of it is now that we have financial stability it makes the future of making a lot more straightforward and if people aren't familiar like the way that we've basically done is like we when we had to kind of downsize uh like early 2019 we basically cut costs as much as we could and then once adam studios was up and running we started onboarding that those costs so basically adam studios for the most part funds making yeah but then you also recognize as adam studios becomes more successful you know there's always going to be that that bedrock and that sort of support there and i hopefully we get to a point where we can actually almost not as not necessarily relaunch making but get it to a point where it's also financially stable on its own two feet but yeah. that wasn't possible unless we had made this move and this shift yeah so i think everything else in the end kind of worked out and we we're able to do things almost in a more pure sense now with making because we don't actually need to kind of chase money yeah and we were chasing money before and it was just a shitty feeling to not necessarily translate and now we don't really have to sell out for anything and we do the projects we think are fun but we also know if we had more money in the quote-unquote make and bank account where that would go right well and also like i think one thing that's important to sort of flag is that we're also talking about it in the context of like very small scale size right like i think Number one, I can't necessarily speak to the large scale media because I've really never worked in a huge media conglomerate where you have the luxury, quote unquote, having people wear different hats, you know, where like your editorial team yeah. doesn't have to worry about your, you know, media buys or all this stuff. Like they're yeah. more, more or less focused on one thing. But anytime you do anything small, and I think you're probably going to continue to see that more, especially with everything that's going on. And you're seeing like a little bit of a reckoning of like, all the the really top heavy whether it's publishers or companies period or agencies seeing like the unsustainability of um how they were running you know if they just have a month or two of of an account pulled or something like yeah. that but i think you're going to see more of these like smaller scale versions of it i actually think it cleared up the thinking so much more of like understanding what macon was because we can understand almost what it's not so when yeah. you understand what something's not, it's easy to have a better clarity on what it is. Yeah. And so for me, having the atom layer has so it's, it's been easier to separate the two thinkings. And also, it actually I think has made Macon better because we can literally just let Macon be what it wants or needs to be based on um, where we're at, based on um, where the world is at. Yeah. Instead of having to constantly juggle, like, well, we think this, but. At the same time, we have to worry about this, this, and this. Yeah. So Adam is almost like protected making where 
ironically, originally we were afraid that if we started dabbling in like quote unquote agency, it was gonna really like almost like fuck up making. Yeah. Because it was agency and it was brand and it was money driven. Yeah. But I actually think it's protected making. Oh yeah. That's for sure one of the realizations I came to was now that they're just very much church and state, right? Yeah. Like in the most clear sense, because they're not even in the they're both separated in terms of what they represent, but also they're kind of adjacent companies. They're not the same company, so to yeah. say. So that is almost even better. Yeah. Right. I mean, not the whole thing that we do right now maybe wouldn't be that viable for everyone else. But I think that the synergy that has come from it is actually quite helpful. I think you see a lot of these two kind of emerge. It's either an agency that does some sort of uh, media play or, you know, the reverse, like let's say the New York Times yeah. will have T-Studios, right? Well, where they'll have a media company and they'll have like an agency. This has been sort of a nice synergy and there's a calling card. And, you know, to that point, I made that remark that you were working on a client project and like, hey, this feels like things that Macon started doing like four years ago. And now we finally have sort of a, a way to monetize it. Yeah. Right. Before embarking on Adam Studios, what did you think it'd be like and what has been sort of the reality? Good question, Eugene. Hey, I stole that from Guy Raz <laughs> or somebody. Oh, really? How I built this, I think. Or I forget, one of those guys. I think if I'm honest, I was very like, very almost narrow-minded in how I was thinking about it at the time. Like I, I was thinking more manual labor about it for myself. Like I literally thought that it was like I was just going to be the one shooting everything and you know, I'd have you almost like like helping manage clients and do a lot of the back end stuff and helping do the strategy to things and making sure that you know there was like a sound strategy element to it, not just like pretty photos. But I actually envisioned it being more like me just going set to set and shoot to shoot or like just being in front of my laptop in Illustrator or Photoshop. I don't think I I don't think I thought about it enough to think, wait, if we do this properly, then Eugene and Alex can kind of orchestrate and delegate and get more people involved, get more people work, do more projects that you could never do if I was just four or five days a week on a set working on one specific thing. Or in front thing, of a computer. Or in front of a computer. Yeah. I have to give Decatur Dan credit from where it's greater because he told me one time on the phone early on, he said in his kind of Georgian accent, which I won't try to repeat. I think you should do it. <laughs> I can't do, do Dan's accent. He's like, hey, man, you got... That's not how he sounds. <laughs> no, he's kind of got a high-pitched voice, kind of. Hey, man. No, that's not... Anyways, Dan basically said... Uh, he said, Alex, you have to remember, like, photography is a young man's game. You can only be in one place at one time, and you're only as good, really, as your last job or the next person coming up. Do you want to be pulling the photo trigger every single day of your life for the next however long, whether it's for, you know, somebody else or for your own agency. So, you know, think about what you want to do with this thing. And I think I like, <laughs> I don't know if he intended it to be so like sort of life uh, prophetic, you yeah. know, <laughs> but like I really took that to heart now. So sometimes when I think about that, I think like, okay, well, if I, if I'm the one to shoot it, okay, yeah, maybe we'll save X number of dollars here to have Alex take these photos. but during that, you know, 10 hour day, like what might Alex be doing otherwise that isn't getting done, mm -hmm. you know? So 
neither is right or wrong. It's just kind of like, what do you want from the thing that you're spending your time doing? Yeah. And that then, was a really long way of answering your question. Yeah. I mean, if, if I turn the question back on myself, I felt like I was an alley-oop in a way. It was kind of like, well, Alex is already kind of making money from this. I'm kind of in a tough spot. Let's just do it, right? And try it out. And I think there was also part of me at the time that maybe psychologically was beating myself up because we couldn't get make into some sort of uh, financial goal, right? And I think now looking back a year later, it's like, oh shit, maybe it was not necessarily me or my inability to necessarily do something in the creative world and make money off of it so much as maybe it was the wrong product. Maybe, or maybe it was just that the learnings from Macon were able to actually parlay into Adam in a way that, oh shit, actually there's both value for our services or what we do. And we actually can run a business off it, which I feel now I feel way more comfortable, like maybe passing on knowledge or experience. Yeah. Right. And I, Overall, I think, you know, you touched upon it too. It's, I want us to get to a point where we don't have to be the ones, uh, you know, pressing the trigger or doing X, Y, Z. It's like things that are more strategic and can rely on experience, not because we're too good to do that. The reason why I want to move past that is because I think our value now, as we get older, as Dan said, a young man's game is like, hey, how do we amass as much in insight and knowledge that we can then repackage in a way so that hey you know we started basically adam studios what in like our 30s right can someone take this knowledge and start something in their 20s in their mid-20s right sure. an advanced culture or whatever you want to call it for sure i mean also just i think business stuff aside and like um you know quote-unquote culture is like this cool thing like i think just I derive a lot of value from like giving people purpose and like helping them uncover that purpose. You know, even if it is in a commercial context, sure, you do you do a, a job with a brand because ultimately everybody wants to get paid. To be honest, most of the jobs that we've done, like everybody who's doing it, like wants to be there for more than the check. They want to be there because they're exercising something that is a big part of their purpose. They're finding their own value through the process of like exercising this talent they have. Um, and I think that's super important, like especially nowadays where there's a lot of really like shitty places to do that too, yeah. you know? So if we can play a very small part of like creating an environment that's like half decent <laughs> at the very least to work inside of, I think that's still a win. Yeah. Before we sort of cap things off, I definitely want to thank some of the people that enable us to get here because without them, like, we probably wouldn't have even had the opportunity to kind of continue on this trajectory and or even have the choice, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, big shout outs to like Mike West, Julia Wong. Julia, Intertrend. Yeah. John, John Yokogawa. Tanya. From Intertrend, yeah. Tanya. Also, you really have to acknowledge sort of the making peeps that got us here. Yeah. You know, people like Scott, Elphick, Cody, Nathan, Jill, Chris. Alec. Alec, Willie. Like, these are actually people that I don't know whether they know it or not, but if it wasn't for some of their contributions, like, who knows? We probably wouldn't even have had the chance to continue this conversation. I credit a lot to Instrument, like, early on, too, almost like. For people that aren't familiar, Instrument was someone that kind of took us under their wing for, like, an internal 
I guess, internal project. Basically, they helped us build making the brand and the website. So like doing tons of workshops over the course of a, a, a summer in Portland, like going through these uh, exercises and little sessions that we didn't even really know existed at the time of just built, taking a, an essence of an idea and then sort of laying it out on a table and then putting the pieces back together to something succinct. I think like helping you and I take what we had the the root of it, but we didn't quite know how to like just get it all out there into the world in yeah. a way that like started to make sense. Yeah. And also just knowing how they treated us as a client, as, as a non-paying client, yeah. much less like really helped me understand how yeah. um, to treat clients. Yeah, it's true. It, it's something that I look back on. And I'm like, I'm glad we're still around because at least they can take solstice in the fact that we weren't some flyby operation that closed up shop like a year later, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, um, but shout outs to like Justin, JD, Vin, yeah. Gorman, Tim, Tim Kimmerer, Zach, yep. DC, BK, BK. This is something that hasn't been the easiest, but we're more than happy to share this process. So if anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out. Yep. Signing off.